Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Elle Stanger. This is the ADHD and sexuality episode. We're here with Ari Tuckman, website adultadhdbook.com. He's not on social media, but his website has information about his books, and there's also some sample chapters and recordings, and we're going to meet Ari today. Hello. Welcome, and thanks for being here. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I just stumbled upon you recently because you were recommended to me by some of my followers. Uh, Some of my followers know that I was diagnosed ADHD, uh, autistic, and some CPTSD a few years ago. And a lot of the guests on here are either neurodivergent or we talk about trauma or self-care or just how to make life more comfortable for us and the people we love and care about. So Ari, what are some identities that you strongly relate to? So, you know, I'm I'm a little bit of a mix. So um, on my dad's side, kind of Eastern European Jewish, New York City, kind of that whole kind of, you know, they were the first generation born here, but they still had definitely that kind of immigrant mentality from their parents. Mm. On my mom's side, she's Swedish. So that's like a whole different thing. But it's, it's sort of funny in the town I grew up in, in the suburbs of New York City, there are a bunch of these parents, which was Swedish women who came to New York City as au pairs. And the Jewish guys that they met and then fell in love and stuck around for. So uh, we had this weird, mm. weird little community. Yeah. Au pairs real quick. Yeah. Describe what is an au pair for folks who don't know? Yeah. So an au pair is, you know, usually a young person, usually female, but not necessarily who, you know, comes from another country for a year or two to basically kind of live in a family, kind of take care of the kids and you know it gives you a chance to kind of see somewhere brand new and you know kind of do something often before you kind of go back to school or figure out what else you want to do okay so like a live-in nanny yeah basically it's like a fancier version of i don't know it's it's that but it sounds better if you call it a no pair it sure does <laughs> uh how old are you so i am 53 Okay, okay. I'm 36. So and our audience also ranges between like, I'd say early 20s. And uh, one of our more recent guests is 75. So that's awesome. Yeah. So okay, cool. Uh, I'm going to learn. You know, I just like asking people their ages. So I kind of get an idea of what's been going on since they've been alive, you know, generationally. Yeah, I feel like that makes I sense. Think, yeah, that helps me. So yeah, I mean, otherwise, I'm like, I'm a white guy from the suburbs, you know, um, although I am <laughs> open minded. So you know, I got that going for me. That's helpful. We like those on here. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. Okay. So what made you decide to write the book? So, you know, I've been specializing in ADHD as a psychologist for like 25 years at this point. I think it was about 21. The idea for the book came up and I started out seeing mostly individuals, kind of adults and then, you know, teens and kids, although obviously you work with their parents as well. And then I started meeting with their partners as well, because obviously, you know, we bring all of ourselves to everything we do. And if someone has ADHD, that's going to show up in their relationship as well. And then I started looking around and there's, there was a little bit of stuff out there on ADHD and relationships, but, you know, God forbid there was anything on ADHD and sex, right? Mm. Which, you know, on the one hand was kind of like, are you serious? Like, I don't even get this. But having said that, you know, you can graduate school as a couples therapist, having had marginal, um, you know, education on sexuality, which is like Mm -hmm. the craziest thing to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really want to highlight that for our audience. Like in case folks haven't figured out, that's part of the reason why I try to have sexuality literate guests on because medical doctors, it's the same way, basically almost no or very little training. uh, I know. I know. So like, don't assume the clinicians you're seeing know anything about sex, first of all, or are comfortable talking about it. I mean, that's the other part. And, you know, I definitely had clients who told me that, you know, other clinicians they've seen, they could tell they get kind of squirmy and like weird when sex comes mm-hmm, up. So mm-hmm. if your clinician can't talk about it comfortably, I don't know what hope you have. Mm-hmm. And folks, again, this is why I'm a big fan of organizations like ASECT, where you can ask, right, you can ask a clinician or therapist, what is your sexuality education? Do you have any? And if they're like, oh, I'm an ASECT certified therapist or counselor, like, that's a good sign. Yeah, exactly. 
And if they're a sex addiction certified person, then you know they're a lot about addiction and not so much about sex. So um, Right, because sex addiction is not in the DSM. It's not a clinician accurate term, according to the other clinicians I've talked to, like Silva yeah. Neves. Yeah. Yeah. So, but in any event, right, I want to write this book on ADHD in couples. And then I really wanted actually to focus on this kind of neglected piece, right? And my sort of joke on this is none of the people who are presenting in the world of ADHD or doing podcasts or webinars, none of the authors, nobody was talking about sex in the world of ADHD, except for every mm -hmm. single couple out there. They were all talking about it, but like, or all the individuals out there, but none of the, you know, people providing information were talking about it. So I was just like, wow. you know what, somebody's got to write this book and I guess it's going to be me. Mm, okay. Hey, we love uh, filling the holes and shining the light in the dark places. Yep. I got a ton of feedback about this, um, and we'll get to that next. So, okay, so the full title of the book is... ADHD After Dark, Better Sex Life, Better Relationship. And you can find that at adultadhdbook.com. Yes. Okay. So what services do you offer currently? You're an author. Are you still doing therapy? I am. I mean, really what I do is I sit in my office and I see clients all day. You know, some of them are in person, some of them are on video, but that's really kind of what I do. Um, then for fun, I do stuff like hanging out with people like you doing this. Um, <laughs> I write, I, when I'm lucky, I get to travel somewhere to speak in front of an audience. So, um, so that's kind of a fun thing I do on the side, but I really do think that you know, clinical work, writing and presenting, it's like the three legs on the stool, right? You're doing one of them makes you better at the other two. And it mm. keeps life interesting. So that's kind of important too. Do you are you an ADHD person? I am not, although it's Are you of, sure? I know. I know. Now I'm I sort of definitely trend too far the other way. Uh, not always in good ways, but um but it is sort of funny because having you know, I sort of fell into ADHD, obviously, in like the second half of my life, um, after I came out of grad school. But then I look back, like, I reconnected with some of my friends from high school, and two of them have ADHD. I think about like, some of my friends from college, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I bet if more than a few dollars. Um, I think about, you know, another friend of mine in grad school. I'm like, I bet probably my car on her. Right. So like, <laughs> I've definitely had this like gravitational pull towards people with ADHD, even though I didn't really know that that's what I was doing. So it was meant to be. That's very interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that. It sounds like you have a very like uh, subject centered approach. Oh, yeah. yeah, you said something at, when I was setting up and like my audience knows I'm not tech savvy at all, but um, I was like apologizing for the kerfuffle. You said something like, I just feel like stuff will always work out. Yeah, I sort of, when it comes to stuff like this, I have faith in chemistry, mm -hmm. right? You get, you get the right people together, things work out. So everybody acts mm. in good faith. Everyone has, you know, a common goal of doing something good. Things work out, which is probably pretty good advice for relationships and sex also oh my gosh i kind of want to use that now as an outlook with how i uh source or screen my clients in the strip club or in other sex work yes. faith and chemistry like if you both want it to work out then it probably will yeah and if it feels weird or something is like eh, then maybe maybe you got to listen to that cool oh that's cool I am so glad you were recommended to me. I don't usually go in cold with guests. Um, I'll admit I researched you enough to feel like this was a good idea, but I'm I'm pleasantly surprised in so many ways talking to you right now. So thank you. For what it's worth, if you look up ADHD and sex, I'm kind of like the old person. I mean, there's like a few other people doing stuff, but seriously, it's a very exclusive club. And I don't mean that in a good way. Like, I wish you had a long list of people to choose from. But this is kind of part of my mission is getting the worlds of ADHD, couples therapy and sex therapy to kind of overlap a little, a whole lot more. Mm. I'm going to ask my therapist if she's heard of you because, uh, yeah, I'll be back for more. Okay, so I asked my Instagram followers at stripperwriter. Okay. Does your ADHD relate to your sex slash dating slash relating? How? 
So I've had, I've been on the internet for a long, long time. So there's always new people coming in and out always, and that's normal and healthy and good. But a lot of people that have been following me and answer these questions, they're pretty in touch with themselves. So let's see all of this interesting feedback. Okay. So I'll read you react. Okay. Okay. So question, does your ADHD relate to your sex dating relating? How someone says, I struggle connecting unless they are extremely interesting. I am easily distracted. Sure. Extremely interesting. Yeah. I wonder if that's why I'm so attracted sometimes to like, oh, just wacky people. <laughs> like, you're interesting. I want to spend time with you. Someone says, I hyper focus on people, which is hard to maintain long term relationships. I love flirting and novelty. Sure. Okay. Someone says, Ooh boy, where to start? <laughs> Someone says, I realized I used to use sex as a stim. Yeah. You know anything about stimming? Yep. Yeah. Okay. There's yeah. very much a yeah. theme that runs through all of these answers, which, yeah. Really? Which is that, like, we know people with ADHD do great when things are interesting, right? When it's interesting and exciting your brain lights up and you bring all of your skills and talents to bear on the situation. Mm. It's when things are boring, which sadly too much of life is, that folks with ADHD really struggle to kind of like get it in the gear and make things happen. So, you know, that, Oh my, yeah. So like that applies to things like, you know, math homework. Um, but it also applies to things like relationships. So, you know, that like new relationship energy can be really, really interesting and exciting. So it's easy to activate for that. Mm -hmm. But of course, you know, that new relationship energy sadly has a short shelf life. And then you still got to get to all the rest of, you know, life and the relationship and everything else. If you want something that's ongoing, which you don't necessarily have to have, right? I'm not going to put the va that value judgment out there. But if you do want something that builds, right, we accept that some of that, like, you know, just light your head on fire, novelty and excitement isn't part of the picture or becomes much less common a part of the picture. I, you're lighting up so many childhood and adolescent and young adult memories for me. It's pretty fantastic. I actually heard my mom's voice say, get it in gear. <laughs> when you said get in gear, it's hard for people to get in gear. And also maths, I cried about the math homework so much, but oh, that's interesting. Maybe that's why I also really, really, really enjoy being a stripper when it's good and there's stuff going on. Cause I'm like, Ooh, there's seven things going on. Who's at the ATM and what just broke and I'm upside down and mm -hmm. whose hand is that? And what is that denomination on that yeah. bill? Yeah. Know. There's lots of interesting stuff at that moment, right? You're not an accountant, like, you know, processing paperwork. All right. Yeah. I would die. Yeah, no. Uh, I would be a really bad cashier at a grocery store too. Um, not that that doesn't require multitasking, but like, I just know I would. Um, okay. Someone says, again, the question, does your ADHD relate to your sex or your dating or relating how? Someone says, yes, because intimacy requires comfortability and it's hard to feel comfy when I'm being judged or criticized by a partner who doesn't recognize, understand, or respect ADHD traits, responses, and needs. Or, or, or any needs or any of the rest of who you are. Absolutely. Mm. Ooh, here's an interesting one. Someone says, if I feel like they don't want me because of their own mental health or addiction, it kicks my RSD mm -hmm. hard. Rejection, sensitive. sensitivity, yep. dysphoria. Yep. Okay. Okay. And that is like literally feeling rejection more severely, right? right? This very intense experience okay. of either actual or perceived rejection. Mm. Okay. Okay. Someone else says, absolutely. I often get hyper-focused and make my mind up about wanting a relationship way quicker than the other person. So I have to slow things to a very unnatural pace to not scare partners off. This can send me down a mental rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, and also having a racing mind, it is hard to relate when everyone around you clearly does not think or process things in the same way that you do. It can be very isolating at times. Right. Yeah, both mm -hmm. of those. Yeah. 
Okay, so there's a lot here. Like I said, I got so many responses. Someone says, my brain connects to disparate topics at strange times. Uh, curious listening from others is lovely. I don't know what that means. I, actually, maybe I do. Maybe I do. Because I know when when my mouth is running yeah. all 19 different things. I have had people tell me, but this was actually like just a small handful of people that really fell in love with me. They're like, oh, I love hearing your stories. And I'm like, huh. Not everyone does, but <laughs> cool. Great. <laughs> right. You made the cut. Yeah, right. Okay. Someone says, it is hard to focus during sex. I am experiencing exacerbated emotional turmoil. Um, I also find it difficult to focus when people are talking at work. And three, I hate to clean, but my partner needs a tidy home to not be anxious. I'm really proud of people for being able to name these things. It sounds like they're very aware, at least, and that's like a good first step, right? Absolutely. But, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about this as we go forward, but those three things that that person mentioned, they're not sort of isolated events, right? These things definitely kind of interrelate um, as the sort of relationship goes along and as your sex life goes along. So, um, so we'll get there. I was really interested. I like kind of, uh, bemused, I think is the word. I'm like, I wonder how this recording is going to go because if Ari has ADHD and I have ADHD, like, how are we going to get through this? <laughs> so I'm glad one of us is very, very organized. Uh, okay. So we're going to take a break. Everybody, if you haven't already go to adultadhdbook.com and the book we're mostly talking about is ADHD After Dark, Better Sex Life, Better Relationship. You can find me, L Stanger, at lstanger.com or theytalksex.com. People ask me all the time, what is the vibrator necklace that you're wearing in the photo of this podcast album art? That is the Vesper or the Vesper 2. If you go to theytalksex.com, click the banner at the top that says Vesper 2. These vibrators are great for solo use, for partner use, as a stimming tool, as a relaxation or distraction fidget. And I'm 100% serious about that. Woman designed here in the USA by friend of the podcast, T. Chang. Get your Vesper on theytalksex.com on the top left banner that says Vesper 2. Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Elle Stanger. You can find me bopping around two different downtown Portland, Oregon strip clubs. See my schedule on my website, lstanger.com. They're within a block of each other. So if you miss me at one, come to the other. And let's talk about ADHD uh, or lots of other things. Otherwise, let's get into more of ADHD and sexuality with our guest, Ari Tuckman. All right, Ari. I feel so grateful to have you to dive into some of these questions. I started doing this show. I asked you earlier why you wrote the book and you said there was a great need. I started doing this show because I feel like I get the same 20, 30 common like questions very commonly about some really niche things that should actually be more broadly discussed like this. So I I want these episodes to serve as little anchors for people where they can go maybe find the answer they're looking for or just some kind of help or resource. So we really appreciate you being here today. Okay, let's do some listener questions. So listener question one, is ADHD linked to people-pleasing behaviors? Sometimes I don't fully trust my partner that they want to do the things we are doing. Sure. I mean, so there's lots of reasons why someone might be people pleaser, but having ADHD could be one of them in the sense that folks with ADHD, if they're not managing it very well, are going to have more times where they're kind of like off task or they're off the mark in terms of what someone else thinks they should be doing. They, you know, kind of being forgetful, running late keeping people waiting, you know, not doing the things that you said that you would do. Not that any of us mm. are perfect, but 
folks with ADHD have this a little bit more often. So it's sort of like you use up your free passes too quickly mm. and it can then feel like you, you sort of don't have that social capital, right? You don't have that ability to say, I know I said that I would do this thing for you, but actually I've decided I'm not gonna because you feel like you've already disappointed mm. too much. So whether that's, you know, true or not, but that's the internal feeling. So it makes it hard then to feel like you can set a boundary or hold a boundary or just plain like just disappoint someone. Um, so I think if we're going to go gender, which obviously is very broad for us strokes, does not apply to all, but, you know, especially, you know, girls and women with ADHD, right, there's still more pressure even today for girls and women to be kind of more accommodating guys have a bit more permission to just kind of be dicks about it and just like, <laughs> man, I'm not going to do it. You know? Um, so whether that's in relationships, whether that's with friendships or at work or whatever, you know, so that combination in particular can really set someone up to feel like they're not allowed to kind of sometimes advocate for what they want. Mm. Okay. All of that makes sense to me. You mentioned earlier in the question that there's other reasons why some might people please. Can we just name a couple of those reasons? Sure. Um, I don't know. Maybe you grew up in a family where, frankly, what you wanted wasn't really that important. Right. What I want matters. So you find a way to make it work. Right. Or, you know, someone who's kind of conflict avoidant where, you know, even kind of normal conflicts that just the disagreements of life feel like they can escalate too quickly. So they, you know, avoid those conflicts and disagreements. Now that could be, again, because of their past, they've been sort of trained to avoid conflict. It could be because frankly, the person that they're with does not react well to conflict, right? It kind of got this saying, you can't punish honesty and expect the truth. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe it's not just about, hey, you need to assert yourself more, stand up for yourself. It's also to the other one, hey, you need to be more respectful and like, you know, cool your jets a bit when your partner brings something up because you say you want them to be honest, but it doesn't seem like you do. Mm, okay. It doesn't yeah. seem like you can handle it when they do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a trap. I've definitely participated and fallen into that when I was much younger, where it's like, look, yeah. here, here's an example. Like, you can tell me if you think any of your female coworkers are pretty. You can tell me, you know, and then someone's like, oh, I, you know, I like, I think so-and-so looks nice or whatever. And then yeah. like, you are, you are punished and like accused right. of cheating forever now. <laughs> so like, right. We, why would you trust someone after that? You know, and that, that I think people do that, not because they're trying to be malicious or manipulative. I think some people think and they want to be open, but then they can't. And then they just don't know how to handle Exactly. I mean, it was said with good intentions. I'm trying to be a good partner here. I want you to feel comfortable and honest. I want us to have, you know, a open communication. And then the moment comes and it's just like a dagger to the heart. And you're like, oh, I can't actually <laughs> handle this. Yeah. Oh, I just thought of one I did when I was I got together with um, someone and I asked them if they still had feelings for their ex. And this was back when I was like, I only knew monogamy. And I was like, I think I was 19 when I asked this person. And they answered honestly, yes. And it just like destroyed me. <laughs> and then I was like, why did I ask? And I think I asked because I was so confident that they felt so strongly about me that they couldn't possibly think about anyone else. But again, that's because I didn't right. know about non-monogamy yet. Yeah. And nuance. Oh, yeah. Frankly, if they say no, I have no feelings at all for my ex. It's like, first of all, either they're lying or you're like, is this person a sociopath who has like, you know, no feelings for anyone? Like, mm. having feelings for their ex is normal. Mm. But really, the question to ask is, are your feelings for your ex a threat to what we have? Right. That's actually the question that should have mm. been asked, which probably would have given a very different answer. Right. He's, yeah, he would have said no. Oh, OK. Look at that. How nice. Uh, I hear from folks that sometimes they'll listen to these episodes with their partner or their different partners. And I'm like, ooh, yeah. that could be very intense. Like there's a lot of like look in the mirror moments, I think, sometimes. Yeah. So here's to you. Uh, yeah, very. That could be good. Yeah, that's great. So the question, can it be linked to people pleasing? Yes, but so could other nature nurture things. 
Okay. So listener question two, this is very relevant. How do I stay interested in a person when the novelty and excitement wanes in a long-term relationship? Yeah. That's universal, right? That it's just that kind of evolution of relationships over time that, you know, what is kind of exciting in the beginning becomes less exciting as things become more familiar. But having said that, I think it's also that's potentially a cop out, right? Where I don't know if it's necessarily just that people get familiar, but I think they get a little bit kind of lazy in a way, mm. um, in the sense uh, they're kind of like, yeah, I kind of got you figured out. Anyway, um, so what's on TV, right? Mm. Where they're not kind of reinvesting in the relationship or they're not reinvesting in themselves or they're not, you know, making a point of going and doing some different things together, not just the same old stuff. I mean, same old stuff is great, but like, let's do some other things too, where they're not reinvesting in themselves to try to explore, you know, where do they fit in the world? Um, and having some activities that are shared and some activities maybe that are not. Um, so, you know, I think this is a universal process. I think it's just that for a lot of folks with ADHD, they, they feel it a bit more intensely right they mm. that need for novelty and excitement but this can also be a real strength of having adhd in a long-term relationship in terms of your sex life well and frankly all the relationship right someone's got to keep it fresh someone's got to say <laughs> eh, this is getting a little boring what else can we do here <laughs> right so like that is a good thing if your partner is game for it mm, okay Yes, I really like that too. That's a good reframe. And I really appreciate what you said about it can be a cop out when people are like, oh, the excitement has waned. Like, I mean, okay, so I got married when I was 22 and then I got married when I was 25. Okay. And then I'm 36 and I have not gotten married since because I understand limerence now. <laughs> right. Right. So limerence. Yep is like the excited feeling. And I think research told me the last time I read it, correct me if I'm wrong, but that for people, can it be like a six months to two years kind of thing on average? Yeah, pretty much. New relationship energy. Okay. Yeah. So how do I stay interested? I like, um, yes, seeking out new things when you have the time or the money for them. And this could be like just walking a different path on your morning or your evening walk or like trying a different bagel together or some, you know, take someone else's car to where you usually go. Like even just little things, if you can't afford the big things. You don't have to go to Antarctica or anything, right? Like, right. There's always other things you could do. And just like a little bit of something different can absolutely have some positive effect. And then you got to be open to it. Yes, exactly. And so here's like, here's a fun example for the local listeners. Uh, yesterday, I asked boyfriend of two years if he would walk across the St. John's Bridge with me in Portland. It's a very big bridge. The last time I tried doing it, I had like vertigo and suicidal ideation so bad that uh. I couldn't make it very far. Yeah, totally. And so for me yesterday, I was like, hey, we're going to be in the area because I'm getting an oil change. But I'm like, can we walk across this bridge that scared the shit out of me a few years ago? I think I might feel safer just holding your hand. And we made it all the way across. And I saw a bunch of cool graffiti. And it was really fucking cool and heart opening. And like something small like that, I think, yeah. was really helpful. Yeah. And that was free. So, yes. exactly. yeah. Yeah. So when people say, oh, we don't have anything in common anymore. I don't know. I, I mean, maybe, I guess, you know, but also I kind of call bullshit. So I think it usually means you're not trying hard enough or you're sort of resistant to the idea of being kind of open again with this person. Mm -hmm. And you'll perhaps agree with this because you said something earlier about not putting a judgment on how people want to do their relationships. But like, it's also okay if after, you know, an amount of time you two look at each other and you're like, well, we've learned a lot about each other, but I think it's time to move apart or separate or, sure. you know, best wishes. Yeah. 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 And I mean, frankly, there's no requirement that you have to have a long-term relationship, right? Like it's absolutely okay to have a whole bunch of short ones, you know, like, it, you know, I don't know, like do what's going to work for you and certainly don't cram yourself into something that won't work. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that 
having that sense of permission, I think, is important in lots of different ways. Mm -hmm. All right. Listener question three. Someone says, my significant other has ADHD and can go in and out of the mood. Mm -hmm. I think they mean arousal mood in like 2.5 seconds. Is that a typical symptom of ADHD? It can be for some people. Mm-hmm. There are some people who don't go out of the mood. So, um, <laughs> right. And, and there are some who have trouble getting into it in the first place. So, you know, there's definitely kind of that whole range. But I guess I would wonder, I would sort of talk to your partner about, okay, so what happens here? You know, what is it that happens that kicks you so quickly into the mood? What is it that happens that kicks you back out, right? Let's try to get a sense of what those, you know, things are. Kind of like Emily, Emily Nagoski's, you know, what's the gas? Mm. What's what's the brakes? What's happening here? Mm. Let's try to understand this. Because the better you understand it, the more sort of influence you have over it. Mm, love that reference. Come as you are, Emily Nagoski. Okay. Yep. I, again, I relate a lot of stuff to myself because I find it's helpful for people. So example, boyfriend again was visiting the other night. We were having our one, maybe two, maybe three sexual experiences if we really like have time. But like we were having our one sexual interaction for the week. <laughs> and um, I, w- I was having a great time, definitely. And I figured he was as well. And uh, then one of us got a text and the room illuminated. And I became aware that he could see a face that I now felt was very awkward and cringe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that took me right out of almost escalating to an orgasm. And w- I had to like really just be like, okay, that happened. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to where we were. And so I kissed him and like breathed in his scent and it took me right back. But luckily I didn't get hung up on like, oh God, he saw me and whatever. It's like, just move on. Just move on. Here's the thing, right? Like this is such a good lesson for so many other things. Freaking out and feeling like shit does not make time reverse so your boyfriend didn't Mm. see what he saw, right? So, you know, like freaking out about it doesn't make it better, right? It's sort of like the same thing. If you get distracted, if, I don't know, you got to go pee, if you're a guy and you can't get it up or you get it up and then it goes away or, you know, whatever, Mm. right? Like freaking out never makes things better. Um so, you know, it, it, it comes back to that kind of self-acceptance. It comes back to a bit of compassion. And also, I think it probably comes back, comes back to a bit of perspective in the sense that whatever freak out was going on in your head, I don't think your boyfriend even noticed <laughs> or gave one shit about. Like, I am sure that was not mm-hmm. the thing he was focusing on in the moment, right? So, and mm-hmm. frankly, if he was, and he was kind of a giant dick about it, I'd wonder why you were with him in the first place, right? So, like, <laughs> you know, it's sort of one of those, Indeed. yeah, we have an amazing ability to make things a giant issue in our head that are not an issue to other people. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. Um, so to the question, my SO has ADHD and co- can go in and out of the mood in like two seconds. Is that a typical symptom? Okay. I think you gave a lot of advice there. So talk about like what is happening for you in that moment, like when you're turning on and off. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of bring it on back, right? Bring it on back. So when I was going through the sex ed certification, we were learning sex ed, but we were also learning how to teach sex ed, which I'm really grateful for. And I still think about something the trainer said, which was, you know, if a slide's not working, if something awkward happens, if you misspeak, like just correct yourself and move on. Do not spend time apologizing because that will always make it worse. And I was like, oh, yes. Yes. So cool. And again, stuff like that. Yeah. Same thing. Like if I accidentally, God forbid, like fart during the lap dance or something, I'm going to pretend it never happened. I'm going to keep going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause the more attention you draw to it, the bigger, then that becomes the deal, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to like just moving on. Um, you know, now obviously there, there comes a point where if we do something that does hurt someone or does, you know, sort of offend them, then obviously that you need to address and not just pretend it didn't happen. But this is stuff where it's more like you yourself are self-conscious more than the mm-hmm. other person is, is hurt or offended. Yeah, great reminder. Okay. So on to that, 
Listener question four. Can you offer some advice on how I can stay focused during sex or play? This is definitely not an uncommon question. Certainly, you know, maybe for folks with ADHD more, um, but certainly folks without ADHD can also be distracted. Um, It seems like, at least in the survey research I did leading into the book, that this is more common among women than men, Mm. um, and also potentially more common among women with ADHD compared to women Mm. without, but whatever, doesn't, you know, so... I think on the one hand, what I, I kind of give the obvious advice, if there are things that, you know, you feel like you need to sort of address before you start fooling around, just like, I just need to get this out of my head kind of thing, then do it, you know? So I don't know, I had a couple I was seeing, in this case, the guy had ADHD, but you know, he had like tons of crap all over his side of the room. And when they were fooling around, it would just stress out his wife to have to look at all that shit when they were, you know, so like, that's like an obvious low hanging fruit kind of a thing. Um, Now, having said that, life doesn't stop. And if we wait for a perfect moment, none of us would ever get laid. So, (laughs) Uh you know, like, you can't be too, you know, whatever about it. So, um, but you know, I think also maybe if you need to, you know, take some time to kind of get in the mood or put on some music that kind of gets you in the mood, address whatever in the physical environment. And when you do get distracted, just sort of notice it and then bring yourself back. What's sexy, what's fun, what's interesting right now in terms of what's happening or what do I want to happen or, you know, so just kind of in a very mindful way, sort of bring yourself on back. Mm -hmm. On the question, can you offer me some advice on how I stay focused during sex or play? And I think we kind of said this earlier, like, first of all, accept that you're, you're perhaps not going to stay focused the entire time. Like, that's the point. You're, you're having trouble staying focused. So you won't like just accept that you won't like something will come up. But so what you said, like a mess in the room or maybe there's an unpleasant scent or you're like, wow, I really should have like washed my ass today. <laughs> um, right. If you can adjust to those things or I'm a big fan of if you're feeling physically insecure, like visually turn out the lights and then turn over your cell phone so they don't light up the room. Uh, <laughs> um, right. right. And then I'm also a big fan of scents, just mm. calming and not like a ton. Don't, I don't know what's carcinogenic, but like, you know, like a nice gentle organic candle or some, I have rosemary in my yard. I'll put that in the kitchen sometimes and just like have a whiff of lavender that I yanked out of the neighbors. Um, but that can really help me like set into a mood because ritual can be really helpful also for people who have trouble right switching between tasks yeah which could be you know as as an autist with ADHD it's like i could do a bunch of things at once and it's fantastic or i might just stare at the wall for 40 minutes picking my cuticles you know so um yeah, yeah the brain is you know what a what a rodeo just never know how long you stay on the bull sometimes Yeah, let me just add one other thing there. So like another thing to definitely not do is to read anything into what it means. Oh my God, this sex isn't good. This relationship is doomed. I shouldn't be with this person, Mm. you know? Now, now you shouldn't be, I don't know. But, (laughs) you know, if, if it's simply that you're getting distracted or even worse, if you really want to pour your insecurities into the room, if you notice your partner is getting distracted for a moment, you know, don't start into this nonsense about like, Oh my God, I'm not good enough. You know, my something is too small or my something else is too big, or I'm just not good at this thing or their ex was so much wilder than I'll ever be like, any like any of that kind of crazy insecure stuff unless your partner actually stops you and tells you that right don't go there right it's like it's just a thing that happens so again bring yourself on back um 
And, you know, frankly, it may just be, right? Like, this right now may not be the time to be fooling around. It's just like, look, I just have too much in my head. Um, or maybe it is the time, right? In the sense of, like, I need something to get this crap out of my head and just sort of relax and whatever. But to just sort of know yourself, to know what you want, and to use your words so nobody has to make assumptions. Mm, wonderful. All right. So we're going to take another break. The book is to be found at adultadhdbook.com. It's called ADHD After Dark, Better Sex Life, Better Relationship. And then I see you have a workbook, the ADHD Executive Functions Workbook. I do. Ooh, which nice customer wants to sponsor that for me? Ooh, there's all kinds of stuff here. Integrative treatment. Okay, success strategies for adults with ADHD. All right, I am getting sucked in. Everybody go there and then find me on lstanger.com. We'll be right back. It's L here with a juicy secret. You have so many options for your relationship structure. Best-selling author, New York Times, and NPR contributor Dr. Jolie Hamilton is the expert who helps people custom design relationships to get more of what they want. Dr. Jolie's highly coveted program, The Year of Opening, is for people who are ready for more. To join the waitlist and get first dibs on a one-to-one call with Dr. Jolie at no charge, sign up for free now at theyearofopening.com. Welcome back to the Talk Sex Podcast. Find me, your host, Elle Stanger, on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows, little snaps from my day behind the scenes, stuff that I cannot post on Instagram. Otherwise, you can find my porn if you go to lstanger.com and the triple X is in the top right. I really like talking about sex and doing sex and making art about sex. And this is the ADHD and sexuality episode. We're here on They Talk Sex Podcast. Thanks for your nice ratings and reviews on Apple and Spotify. Our guest is Ari Tuckman. He's given us a ton of insight and uh, info. So if you've listened this far, you're probably just as happy as I am. And then also, fun fact, I make uh, timestamps with the topics in the episode notes for people specifically who do not have the patience to listen to full episodes. So if that's how you found us here, then welcome. Okay, so Ari, I'm going to read a couple more listener feedback responses on does your ADHD relate to your sex and or dating or relating? How? Okay, someone says, I have trouble staying present even during sex. It helps to cut off some of my senses by using a blindfold or earplugs even. Go for it. (laughs) Yeah, the world is your oyster. Someone says... I can relate more deeply with other neurodivergents through shared struggle, such as sensory issues. Aw. That's cool. Yeah. It's not all bad. Let's see. Someone says, I have difficulty keeping plans or being on time or showing up, and I feel inferior as a partner. Oh, you mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Let's next talk about the study was conducted or published February 2023. It's called Let's Talk About Sex, dot, 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 and ADHD, findings from an online, anonymous online survey. So we have one, two, three, four, five researchers cited. Okay, so the abstract says ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disorder characterized by inattention, hyperactivity, and impulsivity. A dearth of studies have investigated psychosexuality in this population, often with few predominantly male participants. That's confusing. Are they saying there's few or that they are mostly women? Definitely not a lot. There's very little research on this. And most of it, the handful has really been within the last few years. And a lot of the research on ADHD has been on boys more than girls and men more than women. So... You know, obviously that doesn't paint a full picture of what the world of ADHD is like. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You said earlier, yeah, there was very little about it and you have done quite a bit of the work yourself. 
Uh, okay, so there was 1,392 respondents in this anonymous online survey. So it says the ADHD group, both males and females, had a significantly higher preference for same-sex or either-sex partners and higher rates of electronic sexual exchanges, masturbation, and STIs. They say sexually transmitted diseases, but the term is STIs. They were more adventurous in sexual interests and practices and substantially less satisfied with their partners, both sexually and generally. So I just want to stop and say, like, here's a good reminder as why we need sex ed for everybody, but also in terms of harm reduction. Because if we know some people are more likely to seek novelty, then we should probably prepare them. Yeah. Right. And in terms of STIs and sort of unplanned sexual encounters, unplanned pregnancies, right? Like it's folks with ADHD tend to be more impulsive in general. And impulsive basically means acting on what feels good in the moment without pausing to think about the bigger consequences. So that could be telling your boss off. It could be financial purchases. It could be hooking up with someone. could also be drinking too much Mm -hmm. and then hooking up with someone. So, you know, fewer safe sex practices, obviously, when you're you know, acting impulsively when you're not kind of planning a sexual encounter. So when you're intoxicated, um, you know, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like that part is definitely, you know, is part of ADHD. It's, it's yet another reason if you think you might have ADHD to get it diagnosed by someone who can actually get it right. And, you know, also to sort of engage in some treatment so that you can live a good life. Right. Um, so, now, that's the sort of part that I thought was helpful about this study. A lot of what they did looked a lot like, I'm going to be a little bit of a dick, a lot of it looked a lot like kind of this, the survey that I did, you know, for my book. Mm. But there was, there's definitely a part of it, and they didn't exactly come out and say it, but this is definitely a thing that I've seen before in research on sexuality, where you kind of catch a tone, if you know what I mean, <laughs> where, you know, so like, having having more sexual partners right Mm -hmm. is that sort of stated as a negative right right? like there's definitely right but but is it i mean i don't know if they're bad sexual partners i suppose but you know it's sort of like you know is that necessarily or more adventurous sexual practices is that is that bad or is that good right like do we have a value judgment on that so you know, there was definitely a part of that that I sort of, maybe I'm, you know, being too sensitive, but I kind of picked up on, right? Like there's an element of it that I didn't kind of love. But what I was happy about is at least there's another study looking at this in a journal that is getting people thinking and talking about Mm -hmm. it. I really appreciate the critical analysis because I'm a big fan of take what you need and leave the rest. So by acknowledging, you know, a potential purity culture bias perhaps (laughs) that can be really helpful while we still acknowledge the information so yeah like what i said before i'm like so if some of us want to be fucking more like probably teach us how to do it more safely (laughs) yeah yeah and how to talk to other people about it before you fuck them Mm -hmm. right and then how to talk during and probably also after Mm -hmm. right so like you know like but that's the problem, right? If there is this kind of negative bias, even if it's kind of a bit implicit, it, it kind of discourages that kind of education and that kind of communication. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, but I think, again, especially when we're talking about long-term relationships, um, somebody's got to keep the flame burning. You know what I mean? Right. Someone's got to keep it fine. Someone's got to keep it fresh, <laughs> keep you showing up. Right. So it's not this thing where like once a year you fool around kind of right. So, I mean, you, you can have a happier relationship without that if you're both cool with that, but you know, it's sort of like it, it adds that spark that I think is good for a long-term relationship. Oh, that's delightful. I, yeah, I'm the kooky one. I'm probably the kooky yeah. one. Uh, I was on a phone call <laughs> with my AirPods while we were waiting for the oil change. So we're walking around a uh, Portland neighborhood in Northeast on Gay Street, actually, is a street called Gay Street. So walking around looking at the kitties and the flowers and the bees. And because I was on a phone call, but we're also walking, um, I would point and then like grunt at things that I wanted him to look at. And after yeah. I got off the phone call, um, 
I was like, oh, there was a person in that yard that I just pointed to. He's like, yeah, there were people in all of the yards where you just did weird shit. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's me. You know, I mean, he wasn't mad about it, but I was just that was another moment where I was like, I'm the one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I'll keep. But that's awesome. Right. The good news here is he was cool with it right yeah. like at worst he didn't care but actually it sounds like he took a bit of humor in it <laughs> as opposed to oh my god someone was in that yard and you pointed and a complete stranger who will never see again has a strange idea about me i can't tolerate yeah. this right that's like, how my tween so, acts but that's that, normal <laughs> yeah yeah exactly god forbid don't even look don't even think right, right? but like having someone who could be cool with that and secure enough like I don't know, like, at least in that way, I think you guys are a good fit. Thank you. I, you know what? I'm going to tell him you said so. Ha ha. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah, we're in line. So me and my child, the tween. So I have an 11-year-old. Folks have been with me. They, I know, she's growing up so fast. So we call her Bird here because she also likes her privacy. So Bird and I were in line for a National Parks bathroom, which is yucky. You pee and poo in the hole in the ground. Yeah. You know, yeah, scary. Um, <laughs> so this guy comes up, sees the line. Um, he was like, is this really the line? And I was like, yeah, dude. And he like looks around and I said, quite honestly, I was like, I peed in the bushes cause I did. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. I got some chuckles, you know, from the line and, uh, which I wasn't aiming for the validation, but it's always nice. And then the tween leans in and to, to me just, so this was for me only. She goes, why are you like this? <laughs> She's okay, folks. She's okay. Um, but yeah, definitely. I'm not okay. dating my child, so it's okay. She can be cringed out yeah but yeah no i mean it doesn't matter how cool how cool you are in every other way there's still going to be those moments so yeah you should have been like honey this is as good as it gets yeah it's only going downhill from here oh yeah oh yeah and i don't even try to embarrass her like mine did um so one more thing before we move on from this study i just want to point out so they have a table one here and it's uh clinical conditions claimed from a predetermined list out of their sample of 1,392 people. So they list Asperger's syndrome in here, which I'm pretty sure we don't use Asperger's anymore. We just included that into autism as of last year. Um, Yeah, I think, I think that this, I think the data was collected in like 2020. mm -hmm. They might also have listed it because even though officially you know, Asperger's has been sort of lumped in, people still identify, people would still use the term. So, you know, it's possible that that Mm. is kind of why, why they did that. But, you know, I think, but nonetheless, you know, ADHD rarely travels alone. And, you know, (laughs) sort of lots of other things, right? So, um, you know, it, so for that, that's kind of one of the reasons why I think it, it, for me, it can be so gratifying to work with ADHD because, you know, you start working on that and often it tends to have a positive effect on some other things in terms of anxiety and depression and general life stress and maybe sleep problems and maybe you're drinking too much or mm-hmm. you're smoking too much or relationship stress or, right, it's sort of like it becomes one of those sort of linchpins that, you know, you start you make some positive changes there and some other things begin to get better too. Mm, I love that. So what would you like to see for ADHD research or people impacted by neurodivergence? Cause you said it rarely travels alone. If I could wave my magic wand and have one study, what I would really love is a study looking at what is the impact of long-term use of stimulant medications. So someone who's taking Ritalin or Adderall or Vyvanse or whatever mm. for like 30 years, oh. right? Because that's often a question I get is, you know, do we know what's the long-term impact? And the answer I have to give is, you know, we don't have actual studies that show that. But what we do have is a lot of research that shows what is the impact of untreated ADHD across every domain of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we also, I mean, all this medication that we use today, this stuff's all ancient, right? Like Ritalin came out 
I don't know, like around World War II or something. Adderall has been around since at least the 80s. You know, all this stuff has been around forever. There's been, you know, countless prescriptions have been written. If there was really, really a big negative long-term impact, we would know it, right? Like, and it hasn't shown up yet. So, um, so it's sort of like, you know, it's like the, you know, anti-vaxxer people like, oh, well, we don't know what the long-term impact of the vaccine is. Yeah, no shit, but we fucking know what long-term COVID does. So <laughs> get your goddamn vaccine. Or polio. You know, maybe think about someone, then you're just yourself, asshole. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so yeah. you know, I think in that, you know, like in a similar way, we may not 100% have clarity on that side of the question, but we really do have a ton of research on the other side of the question. Mm. I'm curious, uh, and you might know all about this, but just, and I don't want to get stuck on it for too long, but um, I'm curious if there's any long-term sleep issues for people on any of those medications. Um, I mean... If it's negatively impacting your sleep, then you absolutely need to do something different, right? It might mean you need to take the medication earlier. You might need to lower the dose. Mm. You might need to talk to your prescriber about switching over. But, you know, the other side of it is untreated ADHD has a big effect on sleep, or it can, mm. in the sense that folks with ADHD tend to be night owls. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they tend to run late, which is fine if you're allowed to wake up late in your life, but it kind of sucks if you can't. Right. Um, and sleep deprivation and chronic sleep deprivation makes everything worse and nothing better. Yeah. Um, so, you know, also, I don't know, like if you're procrastinating and, you know, things get pushed later into the night, if you lose track of time and get absorbed in stuff, it's easy to not realize you've missed your bedtime. Or when you do get into bed, it's hard to just sort of turn off your brain and to sort of wind down into sleep. So, yeah. um, so I spend a lot of time talking to clients about sleep because as boring as it is, it's such a sort of fundamental of feeling good and functioning well. So important. Oof. Okay. So this is a sexuality podcast. So do you have any, lastly, do you have any sex tips for our audience besides all the ones you just gave us? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think what I would say is talk about it, right? Talk to your partner, maybe talk to yourself, right? Explore it, understand it, figure out what's interesting to you, figure out, you know, what isn't and, you know, know how to set the boundaries on that if it's something you're dealing with other people. Um, but, you know, if there's some ADHD in the mix here, either you or your partner or whatever, get on top of it. Try to understand it. There's lots of good information out there. And we didn't really touch on this today, but, you know, if your ADHD is causing kind of strife between you and your partner, um, even if it's just that you guys have different ways of doing things or different expectations, you know, it's, most people don't want to have sex with someone who's kind of been an asshole to them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like that is as much as ADHD impacts sexuality directly in terms of like, you know, novelty and, and adventurousness, like we talked about, it can definitely impact your relationship, which then, you know, sort of my joke is, you know, you, you might still be interested in sex, just not with your partner. <laughs> so like that's, you know, that's not the situation that we want. No, resentment will ruin any relationship uh, built up resentment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no one wants to have sex with a person they're resentful towards. Oh, definitely. See, this is a whole other episode, but uh, I this is why I have written specifically in like sex at a relationship writing that like we need to stop commenting on people's bodies as a culture because I like I personally grew up with with a dad who was always like referring to women on TV that he didn't like as like fat pigs or blah blah whatever like horrible horrible shit uh, and so my mom heard that and she didn't want to fuck him <laughs> yeah you know like if you think yeah. that about other women's bodies and maybe they're even more fit than me like so and kids hear that but like same thing I don't want to hear someone I'm dating talk shit on how someone looks it's a turnoff for me like of any gender because then I'm like, well, then how do you yeah. feel about what I perceive as imperfections, you know? Yeah, and that's exactly. Right, different kind of resentment. So thank you so much for being here to talk about ADHD and sexuality. Ari Tuckman, this was so fun. Everybody. Yeah, go my to, pleasure. Thank you. Go to adultadhdbook.com to check out some of his sample chapters, recordings, and the rest of his books you can buy and find me elstanger.com. 
Until next time. Thank you.